Holidays are a defining characteristic of all cultures. It's a time for the members of a group, whether national or religious, to reflect on a defining aspect of who they are. They can commemorate historical events, celebrate acts of heroism, and remind us of those who've passed on. The forms that these holy days take are nearly as numerous as the number of existing holidays, but the function is almost always the same. They connect us to the identity of the group we occupy and give us narratives for flourishing within it. So it is in our American context. Our holidays tell us stories of who we are, where we've come from, and what we value. Unfortunately, many of these narratives originate solely from a majority perspective and often turn a blind eye to the struggle of minority groups. Enter Juneteenth, a lesser known holiday whose adherence and celebration honors the freedom we as Americans enjoy, while also admitting and lamenting the struggle that many minority groups have had in attaining said freedom. Perhaps Juneteenth is the most American of any holiday. What does Juneteenth commemorate? How do holidays shape our thinking? And can we give due diligence to both our country's triumphs and shortcomings in the retelling of our own history? All that and more on this edition of Questions from the Pew. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, the intersection of faith and culture. We're your hosts, Rikers Alameda. <laughs> I'm Lucas Manning. Sorry, hey, I don't know. Great pause. to see you. Hey, it's all good. Anyway, here we are with two great guests. Mm-hmm. One who's familiar to the show, another who's new. Um, yeah. yeah, back with us is Emmanuel Ricky Padilla, um, who almost at this point needs no introduction. Seriously, um, I might as well be a co-host. But, but hey, the... Easy, easy. I call him the. <laughs> I call him the system, systematic theologian extraordinaire. Um, yeah, uh, say hello, Ricky. Hi, everyone. After that title, I'm not sure I even want to be here. I'm terrified. It's, the bar is set high. Uh, glad to be back on Questions from the Pew. It's always a lot of fun to hang out with you guys and to Ooh. talk through some questions that uh, most people aren't asking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And with us also is Michael York. Mike York. Hello. Yes. Yeah. Hello, everyone. He is our former, yeah. I guess not roommate. Roommate. Floor mate, floor I guess. Mate. We all yeah. lived on the same floor. Holy 16, that was great. <clears throat> at, Moody, the cows. at the Moody yes. Bible Institute of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to mm-hmm. give a little bit of background, Mike? On uh, you. For, oh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, well, Moody Bible Institute was... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I am uh, was born in South Florida. Uh, were we starting at birth? Is that fine? <laughs> yeah, sure. okay. it was a dark yeah, tunnel. It was a dark Wednesday night, <laughs> 11 p.m. That's true. Um, and yeah, when I was 10 months old, we moved to the Caribbean island of Dominica. Um, when I was six, we moved back to South Florida, which is where I grew up. Um, at 19, I moved to Chicago to go to Moody. So when I went, I met these guys. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the past two years or so, I've been in grad school uh, here at Wheaton. Uh, Wheaton College, Illinois, um, and I'm working uh, toward, yeah, continued education um, in theology and theological studies, historical theology specifically. That's great. So yeah, excited to be here. What is uh, what is your work concentrating on at Wheaton? 
Yeah, great question. So I've been um, digging into the area of, of race and, and racialization and race studies, that kind of thing. Um, we don't have like a specific uh, track that we have to follow. Um, so I'm learning broadly about historical theology um, from the ancient church to the medievals to the reformation and enlightenment mm -hmm. and modern stuff. And um, typically the race discussion kind of falls into the, the modern category sure. of, um, of theology. So um, yeah, just kind of been digging into that and, and learning a whole lot. It's great. Exciting. Nice. Glad to have you. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yes. That's a good segue really into the topic at hand for today. Um, Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. Not many people are familiar with it. Uh, yeah, I think I certainly wasn't. Yeah, I really only found out about it maybe two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah, I think it was just in passing conference. It might have actually been with you, Mike. Maybe. Yeah, actually, I think I learned about it like while I was at Moody as well mm -hmm. in conversation mm -hmm. with another Moody guy um, who mm -hmm. was on our floor, um, JP. Shout mm -hmm. out to JP. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I learned about it super late in life, way too late. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. It's crazy that I hadn't yeah. heard of it. Well, for those of us who don't know then, and so the listeners who don't know about it, can you give us a, I guess, a brief overview? Yeah. Sort of the, the, the sort of short way to talk about it is that um, after the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, 1863, end of the Civil War, um, for two more years, a lot of slaves didn't actually know that they were free. Um, so... A general came down and um, sort of explained to them in 1865 um, about their freedom. And lots of people sort of, they left the plantations and mm -hmm. some people became employees of their former masters and that kind of thing. But from that point forward, the, the holiday would be celebrated um, because it was on June 19th that that happened mm -hmm. and it was shortened to Juneteenth mm -hmm. um, later. So, um, yeah, it's it's really a celebration of the the freedom of the slaves um, after the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Well, I guess uh, one thing that I found interesting, we're kind of free-flowing here, but uh, is that it's not like a federally recognized holiday. So mm -hmm. 45 states recognize it like as a state holiday, but it's mm -hmm. not like a federal holiday, which I just mm -hmm. found was very interesting. So I don't know if somebody wants to speak into that or talk. Maybe you, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... Interesting is the right word. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure what what else can be said about it. I yeah. mean, obviously there can be hard opinions, but it seems like it's a day that that should be federally recognized. Right. You know, the freedom of now what is over 10% of the population right. um, occurred in, in one day um, or, you know, over the, the span of a, a, a couple years, really. Um, and it's still not nationally recognized um, as a holiday, and I do think that that is sort of one of the undertones of, of you know, the, the country. You know, we have mm -hmm. a, a long racial history um, yeah. with many facets and, and ups and downs, and um, it seems like this would be a good step in the right direction mm -hmm. is to nationally recognize this holiday. Right. So mm -hmm. It's interesting that companies recognize it more, I think, than even states do. Mm -hmm. I mean, your iPhone has it on there on your calendar as a mm -hmm. default holiday. Oh, does it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's interesting to me that organizations are probably more aware to say, hey, this is probably mm -hmm. for Black History Month. We should mm -hmm. think about this. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. that, that kind of ethos is what drives the recognition of Juneteenth. Right. Um, more than I think it being part of like the state's rhythm of life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, mm -hmm. in public education, I don't know of any schools that are mm -hmm. teaching about mm -hmm. Juneteenth or at least they mm -hmm. weren't when I was a student. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, it seems to me that it's more organizational mm -hmm. than yeah. anything else. Which makes sense, I think, just because it seems like organizations are typically quicker to recognize and yeah. celebrate and you know promote the recognition of diversity among their ranks, because um, I think it serves the organizational life, you know, right. to, to make yeah. their employees right. happy and yeah. to recognize them. Mm -hmm. But I think it says something deeply political that states and that the country doesn't doesn't recognize mm -hmm. it officially yet. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, I wonder what is. Um, what is lacking, I guess, by the fact that it's not federally recognized or even just, just nationally known. Mm -hmm. So you got uh, days like um, MLK Day, right? Yeah. But I wonder what is lacking in terms of um, not recognizing Juneteenth yeah. as a holiday. Yeah. The, the first thought that comes to mind is... Uh, um, Frederick Douglass has a, a speech, a famous speech. Um, so he was asked by a bunch of white men to give a speech on the 4th of July, which is ironic. Um, mm -hmm. And it was deeply ironic to him because this is pre-Civil War. Mm. Um, and he literally wrote a speech entitled, What to the Slave is the 4th of July? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, like this, the recognition of Juneteenth goes hand in hand to me with any any kind of recognition of the 4th of July mm. where it's like if we can celebrate the the freedom the independence of our country mm -hmm. annually and it's one of the most beloved holidays in, in in our country um and yet it's a holiday that comes with a deep sense of irony for mm -hmm. a, a, a huge people, portion yeah. of the population um then it would seem like we owe it nationally to to mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. people to our population <clears throat> to also recognize this other holiday right. um, where that irony was in some sense or at least to some degree mm -hmm. lifted or yeah. um, or addressed. That's super interesting. Would you do it as a kind of like Advent, you think? Where it's like mm. you do Juneteenth leading up towards mm. uh, the 4th of July. July. They're close enough. Hmm. Yeah, they are close. I, don't almost, I almost feel like it should go the other way. Like the 4th <laughs> right. of July starts the Advent and we do that for <laughs> right. 11 months. <laughs> <laughs> Just a really extended celebration. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, freedom, <laughs> yeah. but not yet. You know, and then 11 Wait months later. I mean, that makes sense. It's Juneteenth season. They're like, oh, are you celebrating Christmas? Oh, no, it's Juneteenth season. <laughs> I, exactly. I actually have that written in my notes that it was ironic because, mm. yeah, like what you're saying, we independence and freedom is such a huge thing we celebrate in this country yeah. and juneteenth even more so than a celebration of the freedom of the slaves at galveston right it was more so the celebration and the commemorating of the day that their freedom that was already um yeah. put into law that it was announced yeah. to them right when i was re doing some reading for this um yeah so two problems with the emancipation proclamation was one, it didn't do anything really yeah. for the slaves. Hey, y'all, no you guys are free all. now, so you're good. Yeah, like, right. No, right. that's not, not right. how it works. Right. Yeah. And then even after that, so the language of the Emancipation Proclamation was that it was for the slaves in the Confederacy. Mm. They were free. So that didn't say anything about union... Uh, so the, the territory from the Confederacy that the Union had won back. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of like in the, like, yeah. in limbo. Like, mm -hmm. where did they fit in? Mm -hmm. And so, and even beyond that, like, once the Union Army kept moving further south and uh, getting more territory, 
the active suppression of oh, yeah. the emancipation by slave owners mm -hmm. was astonishing to me. Mm -hmm. And that touches into, um, into like our conversation, Ricky, on the Forgotten Histories. I don't know where it fits in the timeline of episodes. So I might, this I might be a trailer for, for a later episode. <laughs> we're in this like end game situation <laughs> right. where we don't know where we are. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's time. mentioned on one of the episodes, but that, that active suppression of a historical fact. Yeah. That was what really fascinated me about it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to me, as I think through this holiday, I relate it to other holidays where we struggle, like Columbus Day, mm -hmm. right? Where we're mm -hmm. like, is this a day where we celebrate the sure. indigenous or do mm -hmm. we actually celebrate the right. arrival of Columbus, right? Like, it has that sort of overlay where right. it's like, in that in that day, in Columbus Day, right, we just overlay it with Columbus and don't, we at least there's some recent momentum to think about it in terms of the indigenous people, in terms of uh, First Nations and those kind right. of things. But... Mm -hmm. For the longest part of our lifetime, at least, it was Columbus Day, right? I think this holiday gets treated in a similar fashion where it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, some people want to celebrate and recognize that, but we don't, the, the majority of the country doesn't want to. Sure, and it yeah. gets treated in that sort of, let's gloss over this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To that point, I think one of the things that was interesting to me, and I don't, I don't have all the facts on this, um, uh, so, you know, whatever, but um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. <laughs> uh, but I think that, like the the uk or like Brit britain mm -hmm. uh celebrates the emancipation of their slaves like mm -hmm. nationally mm -hmm. I that's think, fascinating i think there's some sense in which like it's like a nationally recognized mm -hmm. like progress yeah. or, or mm -hmm. you know yeah. I mean, that that term is loaded too but it, it's it's like a good it's a national good right you know mm -hmm. whereas with this <clears throat> the fact that it could be siphoned off as a not as a national good, just as a very particular, mm -hmm. you know, it's good for you. Mm -hmm. It's like, right. no, I think we want to say that this is good for everybody <laughs> right, that right. this sure. happened, right? Not just sure. black people right. or, yeah. or whatever. So, Well, I think it speaks to the, the difference in how freedom from slavery came about. The difference between uh, American slave trade and just slave trade in, in Great Britain, right? So mm -hmm. the, immense, the, the abolition of the slave trade came about largely through Wilbur, William Wilberforce, and that went through the House, was it the House, or Parliament, Parliament, right? So that was a nationally decided um, reality. <laughs> right, right. Whereas we the went freedom of slaves yeah. for America came about through years of bloodshed. Yeah. Right. It's the bloodiest war in American history, right? Or right. something like that? Yeah, on American soil, yeah. question related to it right is given that reality that it's treated as like a kind of specialty holiday mm -hmm. um how do we expand the narrative so that it to your point it's a national good mm, yeah. right so that it's for the good of others right because yes. i joked earlier that we've got you know a white man and a black man here but right how does a filipino like Riker yeah. or a puerto rican how, how do we celebrate this as a national good right, right. that's one of the questions that i I mean, yeah, one thing just sitting here listening is obviously when we talk about these holidays and like, oh, it's been celebrated as Columbus Day for however long. And then, you know, hopefully we can, I guess, move into a more like it's Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's just a matter of like perspective. So if you go to like my town that I grew up, it's just white people everywhere. And so I don't get like exposed to any of this stuff. And I think mm-hmm. that's the problem with white folks sometimes is that they're not active in like learning about other cultures because they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Because like they have the power and they like we're able to go wherever we want to go. So we don't have to like learn about like Juneteenth in order to like survive. Mm-hmm. Whereas if the roles were switched, like we would definitely know about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or it would be a national holiday. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's where it's, I mean, not to just rip on white people as usual, but uh, mm-hmm. like you just got to learn to educate yourself. We've talked this talked about this in the past, like in like with like the Black Panther podcast and mm-hmm. some talks coming up. But if you really, if as like a white person, sorry, we're, we can go to not white people. No, here, but finish the as, as a white person, like you actually have to be active in like pursuing that because it won't come naturally because mm-hmm. you won't, you won't need to. And we are, we are a species that functions on our needs and desires. And that won't be something that naturally comes to you. So that's where I think, yeah, just learning more. Hopefully you're listening to this podcast. So hopefully this is helping a little bit. Yeah, it's at least inspiring <laughs> um, curiosity. Yeah. And then I just, I had one, I mean, so that's like my perspective having grown up in that, but I don't know if any of you had, I think one thing that's helpful, especially for some of the listeners I talk to who are white, uh, is they like when I ask questions like what, like how can like white people come alongside um, like people of color and black people, like in in regards to this Juneteenth and also just other, you know, other issues Mm -hmm. and help like in any way. Anyway, so I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. At least for me, and answering the original question that brings that up, like how we can come alongside, I think that is part of the national good, right? By celebrating something like Juneteenth, it reminds me that being American aligns me to Mm. these parts of our history, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To be American is to be a part of a country that that needed to celebrate Juneteenth, right? That needed Mm -hmm. a day to to bring freedom and, and equality to to a large portion of its people, right? Right. And so it aligns me both with the um, the sin there, right? The right. the harm and the injustice that's there, but it also aligns me with that moment of of at least the start of a reconciliation mm-hmm. to yeah. say, hey, this is this is something that um, we are restoring mm-hmm. here, right? It's, it's a moment a step that's worth celebrating. Yeah, and, and that that day uh, as a holiday, and that's the benefit of holidays, right? It gives us an opportunity to say, to be reminded of that, and to say, okay, how are we still doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Like to reflect mm-hmm. and to think, yeah. how are we still today? Uh, being the, being that general, right? Mm-hmm. Declaring freedom and equality mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in many respects, even this might even, Juneteenth might even be more of an American holiday because, <laughs> so Independence Day is, let's, let's face it, at the top of the list in terms of patriotic days, right? Right, for sure. But that's a celebration of freedom for a small amount, for a small percent of the population. <laughs> a good chunk of the population was still under tyranny, it's yeah. just tyranny under those who had just been liberated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, again, ironic. So, you know, fast forward generations. Yeah, in my mind, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I just see it as a more complete American holiday because that's at least recognizing the freedom and the liberty of the rest of the population yeah. that yeah. was forcibly brought here. Yeah, to, to that point, Riker, I think, you know, your your point and, and, and Ricky's point uh, kind of go together for me in terms of like, I think to answer your question, it's like doing doing the necessary work to like understand and like face our history, mm-hmm. you know, not just like knowing it, 
not not imbibing some of these like counter narratives that are like, you know, the <laughs> the Civil War was about economics. Right. It's like yeah, but what right. was the what was the currency? Sure. Right. You know? right. <laughs> right. 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 The currency was people and yeah, people right. of a certain, you know, shade. Mm-hmm. So it's like um yeah, I think doing doing that that work to like reckon with your history mm-hmm. to your point record it's like yeah, every country who's independent has an independence day. Mm-hmm. So right. what what's unique about America is that like is slavery the the really is the the history of our of our race problem mm-hmm. um is what's unique about America and in that sense it almost feels like it is a more American holiday. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a holiday that actually gets at the heart of yeah. like our national identity, mm-hmm. which is one that this atrocity happened in. You're saying Juneteenth? Juneteenth. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And to your point, record the other thing I was gonna say that's really interesting about this idea that it it is in some ways more American mm-hmm. is and I hope I don't paint myself out to be unpatriotic. No, like you're good. We, we're all going to wave the flag on 4th of July. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'll probably wear my usual black t-shirt. There you go. Right. There you go. Uh, but what I was going to say was that mm. that goes back to this idea of like an Eastern uh, eastern mm, side of the country, right. that the bias towards that, right? Yeah. Because independence for the 13 colonies did mm. not include the spanish colonies mm. that were still in california and new mexico mm, right. and i mean yeah it, that changed nothing for the west yeah. the western part of the country it changed right. absolutely nothing right and so juneteenth happens at a certain stage in the growth and health of this mm. nation yeah. where it does widely affect or more widely affect the the country right at, at mm. that point there are just more states that right. are part of the u.s yep. and so in that way it once again kind of works as a tire to to a uh, uniter if you will to mm-hmm. the rest of the country. Yep. Man, so I've been reading um J Cameron Carter's uh race a theological account and there's a section in there where he talks about like and this is part of the one of the themes of the whole book but he's talking about how like history and the history is a story that's being told and typically history and politics function hand in hand. Uh, because history is a people's story of itself that not only functions to like remind the people of their story, but it also forms them. It's like actively mm-hmm. forming a national, a political identity. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like the history, especially of this holiday, has been told such, and it, and that story is consistent with so many other stories that actually work to the exclusion of Latino, Latinas, mm-hmm. let. Black Americans, you know, uh, First Nations, First Nations people, all mm. all these different types of groups, is a hint that actually this nation's identity, or this nation's idea of what its identity should be, is one that is homogenous and it mm. is you know white male dominated right. typically, right. you know, and and it's like I think part of the work that we need to do is decenter some of those historical narratives, mm. reshape them, retell them. Mm. Um, I, so that's why I'm. I really like the idea that like, no, actually Juneteenth is a more American holiday than than the Fourth of July. It's like, I think that's part of reshaping our history mm-hmm. and reforming our identity. Mm-hmm. You know, of like, no, I'm not gonna go hard on Fourth of July. I'm gonna go hard on Juneteenth, mm-hmm. which you know I don't do that yet. But right. I think it's work, and I think it's it's uh, a work in in our minds and in our thinking before we even start to practice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so what do you say to the listener? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I guarantee there's going to be a listener who hears what you just said and go, yeah. you are insane. Right. Or or worse, gets like angry and offended. Like, how sure. dare you, right? Like, what do we say to that person? Good question. I don't know. 
in in some sense, I feel like I feel like yeah, we need to think about that, and we need to address the person who's offended. But I also feel like so much has already been said um, for why that shouldn't be offensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that yeah. it's like if you're still offended by that, and if it still works on you to the point of anger, then there might be some some kind of an idol in your mm-hmm. in your mind and in your heart and your perspective that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. You know because nothing none of what I'm saying is like. We need to turn the tables, right, you right, know, right. or like white people need right. to go down. Or, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about unity, right? You know, mm-hmm. And like, well, that's what I think. One of the problems is like for a white person, the freedom to wave your hands around and smack people in the face, and then when you take that away, it's like, wait, I lost something, but it's not really a loss. You're just not smacking people in the face anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a metaphor! Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah, I wish you could have. I wish the listeners could have seen you explaining that <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Anyway. Yeah, so I think, I mean, so it does feel like a loss, but really you're just being leveled out, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, the reason I asked that question, because I suspect that some people oh, will sure. mm-hmm. will hear what you said as a kind of Colin Kaepernick, right? Like as sure. a kind of taking of the knee during the national anthem, sure. right? Where it's, it's, it's not the, well, I have opinions about that too, but sure. we'll go there. Sure, sure. But I, I, all that to say, it's not the same thing, right? To yeah. your point, you're calling for a kind of unity mm-hmm. um, in celebrating the holiday. Yeah, and to be fair, like... I celebrate the Fourth of July. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. My brother's a veteran. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're good on that. I just, it's just interesting to me that once you start introducing some of these other ideas and and start unpacking the reality that <clears throat> American history is largely under. I mean, textbooks in grade schools are still pretty inaccurate about. Mm-hmm. I didn't. It's crazy that Juneteenth wasn't in a history mm-hmm. textbook growing up. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you know our histories are told in such a way um, should be a signal of something deeper at work, and I think the idea that that narrative should be challenged shouldn't be offensive to anyone. Like that, that shouldn't be something that moves you to anger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because those narratives come from somewhere. They're not as much as people like to say history is not super objective you know mm-hmm. it's somebody giving you their story their right. version of the story they're choosing right. the facts they're, they're choosing yeah. which right. facts to, to show right. you know which ones to portray as objective and and my i think carter's point and what i'm trying to say here is that those facts and those narratives were chosen in order to uphold an idea of white supremacy at some point and a lot of that still lingers you right. know um mm-hmm. in ways that we operate and understand our own history it might not be explicit but it definitely certainly is implicit So I guess one question that I have is if we want, if the goal for us then is to rewrite these narratives, um, not rewrite, but re- reorient, reorient, retell, Foster give the ourselves. bigger picture of these narratives. Do we start from the ground up for, or from the top down? Right. So textbooks are published by essentially trace it back to the government, federal government, right? So do we start from there or do we work our way from the ground up where we um, we we force them to see that this is the reality of the populace um, and that it's a concern or it's a, it's a value to them. Um, yeah, and, and it could be that 
both might get at the same both might accomplish the same goal yeah but i guess in my mind it's more so what is what is the quickest way sure yeah i mean i don't know that this is the question of culture in general right like mm-hmm. how do we change culture do we start at the top with those who are in power do we start at the bottom with a grassroots mo- grassroots mm-hmm. movement i mean mm-hmm. it, it seems to me that to to retell or to reconsider our own history has it requires the leverage of the power at the top and it requires the the demands or call for it at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got all those people who are writing. Kevin Colville, who just wrote a People's History of Chicago in the form mm-hmm. of poetry. That's a really grassroots, right here, local to the city mm-hmm. uh, way of saying, hey, this history is important, right? And so on some level, you need those kind of influential people down down below working at it, right? But then you also need people in power who are going to write federal law and and uh, require, you know, set the requirements for what is taught publicly in public mm-hmm. school systems. You need people involved in that discussion who are going to be listening for this and saying, hey, this is important. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to me that the answer is both, mm-hmm. um, as it typically is with most things of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, Grassroots movements uh, gain momentum, but they still, at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, need the leverage of power. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so you, you get it how you live, you know, like some people are working for publishing companies some Mm -hmm. people are you know academics who are writing history and writing you know philosophy or theology or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um it's like you owe it to the people who will be reading your work to do to do your homework and get it how you live it you know Mm -hmm. what other people are working nine to fives at um factories and in hospitals and uh in in schools teaching you know so my wife is a teacher and this is actually pretty funny, and I celebrate every time Chelsea tells me this. But her kids, as soon as they hear Columbus Day, they revolt. They're like, uh. they're like, no, you know, nice. we do not celebrate Columbus. Like, and that's not something that was in her curriculum. That was something that, through these types of conversations, right. she just was like, I'm gonna teach this different, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna talk about this in a different way because I think they get the day off of school. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like. Wow. We're going to talk about it very differently from mm-hmm. just what it says on the calendar. Right, you know, it just right. says Columbus yeah, Day. Right. Um, and so every time, now every year, she has students who are like one by one sort of revolting against the mm. idea of a mm. Columbus Day yeah. as they as they understand sure, it. Right, sure, right. Um, uh, that's fascinating. So like, so yeah, instead of taking a pr- an approach, to, let's just keep going with Columbus Day, right? So instead of changing it to Indigenous Peoples Day, for example... What if instead of doing that, we kept the name of Columbus Day and instead it garnered a different reaction? You know, it's like, oh, Columbus dif- discovered the Americas. No, instead, that was the day like when... a public <laughs> lament yeah. kind of thing, yeah. as opposed yeah. to yeah. celebration. Yeah. And something, yeah. that's something that I was thinking about even when thinking about this episode where, mm-hmm. yes, Juneteenth is a celebration, but can it also be um, a reminder of delayed freedom and delayed mm-hmm. justice mm-hmm. for... A, part of the American population. Mm-hmm. You That's know? really compelling, mm-hmm. from my perspective at least. Mm-hmm. So you earlier mentioned that it it could be an idol, and, and I've been wondering, maybe this is something we were already thinking of discussing, but what role does the church play mm. in shaping the celebration of any of these holidays, Juneteenth, mm. Columbus Day, or any other, right? These are public holidays. They're a part of the society as a whole in the U.S., right? And so what roles does the counterculture of the church or mm. just the community of the church in general play in making sense of something like Juneteenth? I was wondering mm. if others had thoughts. I really don't know the answer to that question. So I'm yeah. asking as one who's also looking mm. to listen on that. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. Primarily for my church context, for example, I mean, I am I, part of a church plant in the south suburbs of Chicago. Very white. Like, where, how do we, yeah. Yeah, I echo <laughs> what that question. Yeah. Questions from at. the pew, questions from the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think we might have talked about this before, but I guess to me, if you're in a primarily like white context and you're a primarily white pastor, I think it's like kind of your duty to bring these things up because like your congregation isn't going to, okay, maybe they might, but like, I don't think your congregation generally is going to like get into these things. So it's like kind of your job to be like, Hey, these are issues in our country and like things that we can work to fix as like the people of God. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm your pastor. Obviously, I don't know if a lot of like, white pastors in white contexts are thinking like that but i guess if you're listening to this maybe <laughs> please do something like that yeah so yeah i mean it's yeah it's hard because it's like i guess where does like the cultural white lines interact with like the cultural evangelical church lines you know what i'm saying yeah well mm -hmm. and the reason i ask is because chelsea your wife yeah. i mean she works for a christian school right it's, yeah. it's attached to a church and so Right? Am I right on it, that? So it, the school that she works at, so you're probably remembering where she used to teach. Got the it. school that she teaches at now meets in a church, but it's not actually a part formally of the attached to that church. But either way, right, yeah. there's, an, there's, there's something there, right, where the church is helping build an educational right. system. Mm -hmm. right. And yeah. shaping and it is what, a Christian school. Right, so. and it's shaping what that looks like. And so mm -hmm. at least for maybe not the highest up in terms of the pastor, but at least the laity there in that scenario are... Uh, giving shape to um, the way the students are engaging a cultural holiday. Yeah. And I guess my first thought with this too is, and this is something I've been wrestling with um, for a while, is that like it it almost seems to me like the first step is asking why why there are homogenous churches in mm. <laughs> around. Like mm -hmm. why are there still such homogenous churches? Mm. You know? And that I think opens the can of worms already to our mm -hmm. nation's history. Yeah, yeah like sure. as soon as you ask, like, why are there predominantly white churches right, right, or, right, or right. black churches mm -hmm. or you know whatever, or even right. beyond churches, denominations, denominate right. whole right. denominations, right? And which there's a crazy history mm -hmm. with some of these yeah. things. Like yeah. it's like yeah, it, it <laughs> we talked about with the AG how a whole de de denomination split yeah. because the AG would not let two black missionaries go on the mission field. So the AG is essentially, right, the white, white, white version yeah. of yeah. the Kojic church. Yeah. The Kojic church of God in Christ is like the black. Right. It's, so <laughs> literally, our denominations are split down race, right. racial yeah. lines. It's like, crazy. If you go to a town and there's a first Baptist church and there's a second Baptist church, the second Baptist church is black and the first Baptist <laughs> oh, church is man. white. That's, and that's literally from the fact that the black people weren't allowed to go to the first mm. Baptist church. Right, right. So they have to form the second Baptist church. Mm. Things like that. It's like... right, right. So it's like, why, why are our communities so homogenous? Right. And like most of the time, we're just going to church Sunday, maybe right. a Wednesday small group, and we're not even asking about mm -hmm. like, why does the community look like it? Mm -hmm. Like, how come my church is in an area that's so homogenous? Yeah, like that doesn't. It's almost like we're like Sims characters, mm -hmm. and we're just plopped into an already existing world, mm -hmm. and everything is neutral and objective. Mm -hmm. And it's like that's not true. Right. These were mm -hmm. formed. Right. This, this right. whole way of life that we live is like right. formed already. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that would be a good first step towards reconciliation. Then, right? It's, if the church is is meant to lead um, in this respect, in this front, then it should be reflected first in our churches, right? So 
there should be a more active move towards integration of, of churches. And I'm not even denying the, the, um, the contributions that like the black church has made towards American Protestant Christianity in mm -hmm. general. I'm just yeah. saying like, should we be content with the state of those churches or should we make a move towards? Yeah. Well, I've been wrestling with this for a while and echoing like the sentiments that I've heard, but I've had a few conversations where like I talked to a friend of mine who's black and she was saying like, I don't want church to be integrated because I like to go and like be mm. at home. Like I can, I live in like a white man's world my whole life, but like on Sunday morning I can be like unapologetically black and mm. I can like feel fine about mm -hmm. it. And so that to me, it was like, Oh, like maybe Maybe there's more nuance to like the integration con like conversation than just like let's just throw the churches together. Oh, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Anyway. Mm -hmm. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think my thought on that is is that it, yeah. Integration before there's a, a real deep dealing with the history, mm -hmm. a real profound conversation between the parties that are integrating, uh, is just gonna become, you know, a situation where one of the groups that are being quote unquote integrated with just the other, assimilate. it just takes over, right. you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, there's, it's a forced assimilation mm -hmm. one way or the other, you know, yeah. right. but it's typically one way, right. <laughs> yeah. not the other. Right. Yeah. Um, and we've seen it already play out in American history where right. it's forced integration without right. dealing with the trauma of hundreds of years of slavery. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. Integration is more, is, it's not necessarily about the, the mixing of counting people, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, there's like 10 black people and 10 right. white people. Yeah, right. Great. Right. You know, like it's it's not that. Charlie Dates, he's a pastor here in the city. Mm -hmm. He pastors Progressive Church. Mm -hmm. He was here for, he was here at Moody either. He was speaking at chapel or something. But he, he said during his sermon, I'm, I'm not even sure how he got to the point, but he made sure to recognize that, hey, the reason he's a pastor of a traditionally black church is because he doesn't want that tradition to be lost. Mm -hmm. And while he values integration, True. he wants that tradition mm -hmm. to be retained. And I think that's your point mm -hmm. about, uh, deeper conversations right yeah. like the traditions need to be somehow retained as treasures of this integrated mm -hmm. group yeah. it's not just about saying we're gonna have the filipinos and the right, blacks right. and the puerto ricans all get together like there's a traditions piece plus by the way to that comment about uh homogenous communities i said this earlier today in a meeting that i was at at work but uh at least from my experience as a professor i teach online courses here at moody and i have students who come from towns and those kinds of things more often than not, those students are assuming the homogeneity of their community mm -hmm. as greater than it actually is, mm -hmm. right? So they've mm -hmm. got their rhythms and ruts and their ways of life that take them to a certain church, to a certain grocery store, to a certain thing. I had a student in Montana who, when I pressed him on it and made him do a little work around his community, he went, oh, wait, there's a refugee population on the, on the mm -hmm. east side of the city that I didn't know about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that whole thing about homogeneity we probably assume it more than it is big time than it is real. Not, mm -hmm. not to say that there aren't towns sure, yeah, that are sure. actually homogenous. Sure, there right. are, but but uh, that is changing pretty rapidly. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. it, it's something that we need to contend with because the world isn't staying that way mm -hmm. very long. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. One thing that's kind of come up too, even in this conversation, that I and I'm not a hundred percent sure like how to talk about it yet, but I think also this conversation ends up in a black white binary you know mm -hmm. and you know even in this room we have so much more than that you know right. that it's like this isn't just about tensions between black and white people mm -hmm. 
it's about like the way that race has sort of become the overarching category for personhood mm. and mm-hmm. and um you know the way that other cultures are even sort of fit into this this uh organizing scheme you mm-hmm. know and so it's like even when we talk about black and white i think it's important to note that we're talking about trying to break down the scheme more mm-hmm. than we are talking about like black people pursuing reconciliation with white people right, what we're right. trying to do is like dismantle the whole scheme that mm. places people in in this mm-hmm. organizing right. category mm-hmm. so agreed agreed yeah just, just yeah i'd say that's the heart of it yeah i think it's a good place to, to end and we're running. keep going <laughs> for hours so. <laughs> yeah i think so those I'd are say, good. i mean thanks for coming on mm-hmm. mike yeah. i really yeah. appreciate yeah. it honestly yeah. so many it's, insights I and think. ricky as well yes. yeah and as obviously this is being published on juneteenth if you're listening mm-hmm. to this podcast take a moment to reflect mm-hmm. uh, with family or friends google it if you need to if you want to know more about the holiday but since this is coming out on that day i figured we need a quick plug actually go and celebrate juneteenth yeah Mm -hmm. go uh take a moment to lament the fact that there was delayed justice and then celebrate that we finally did get to a point where justice was declared yeah 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 well yeah thanks uh to both of you for for coming on the show uh ricky i know that we've mentioned in, in previous episodes um, your work with World Outspoken, and so people can find out uh, more about you and then follow your work through that platform. Mike, is there any place where um, our listeners can follow your work? Uh, Twitter, there you uh, go. <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> Casual Sandwich. Yes, <laughs> Instagram. That's uh, his actual handle, uh, guys. Uh, casual Sandwich. Casual he sandwich. also does have an article on World Outspoken. Oh, if you want to check yeah. out that one, work. it was a review, right? <laughs> it was a review yeah. of uh, of a book, Gilead. Mm-hmm. Gilead, Mary yeah. Robinson. Yeah, but cool. yeah. There you go. And now here on questions from the pew. Hey, <laughs> hey, cool, cool, cool. Well, uh, you, the listener, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. As always, rate, comment, ask questions, and subscribe. Uh, but yeah, it's been a pleasure engaging these questions with y'all. This has been questions from the pew. I'm Riker Zalametta. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Oh.